Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And I want to continue Thanks. this Awake O Sleeper series today with a sermon that quite honestly freaks me out the most. And the name of the sermon is Know Your Place. You guys ever heard a, heard a woman tell a, or a man tell a woman that? Woman, you better know your place. Followed by a swift kick in the teeth because we shouldn't talk to our women that way. But the fact of the matter is both men and women don't know their place scripturally. We don't know who we're supposed to be and it's caused great damage to the world that we live in. And God has determined that each of us have a place. I am but half of who God created me to be. Angela is the other half of who God created me to be. And together we make a singular whole. And once that covenant's been made, to strip it apart, to tear it apart, is to create real damage not just to the people being torn apart, but everyone within the circles of those people. Because that which is whole should never be again separated according to the Word of God. Now, this isn't a marriage conference, but it's the truth. We've forgotten our place. We live in a world where we have or generationally taught children it's okay to be openly rebellious. We've shown women and demonstrated to them as men because of our failure that they should be the only ones responsible for leading our home. They're the only ones capable of taking care of the house. And that the world has shown us men that our voice doesn't matter. And I tell you, all of that all of those are lies straight out of the pit of hell. Your voice as a man does matter. Women are, should know and understand their place in submission to their husband. Now, that's not oppressive. That's not patriarchal. That is submission that can only be submission when the woman is led in a godly way. My wife submits to my leadership because I love her and lead her well. If I'm not loving and leading her well, why would she follow me? We accept this even in corporate America. They say, you're not a good leader. I'm going to another company. But for some reason, we accept it within our household. If we are the leader that God has called us to be, then the household that we lead will function the way God has called it to function. Amen? But we don't. We don't know our place. We've forgotten our place. Men. I'm speaking specifically to men. Because I've never been a woman. I don't have the... I'm not geared for it. Physically, mentally, or spiritually. Which is why as soon as I get done, my wife's going to come up here and talk to you women folk. And so I'm going to beat on the guys for a little while, and then she's going to come in put band-aids and salve on all that, and then beat up the women. No, that's not how that's going to happen. It is how that's going to happen. 
my whole point here is that today I want to talk about knowing our place because we've forgotten. I was a law enforcement officer, as most of you know, probably all of you know, for almost 20 years. And you can walk into any emergency room in any metropolitan city in our country, and you're going to see evidence of men who have not done or been what God has called them to be and do. You're going to see in that emergency room at 2 o'clock in the morning a, a hooker, a prostitute. And she's going to be wrecked with ammonia, ammonia, pneumonia. Her body is going to be devastated from the effects of drug usage. And she does everything she can to pursue what she thinks love looks like because no man ever showed her what love should look like. Because her father never showed her what love looks like. Men are failing in this area. You'll find a young man having partied with his friends, because that's what we do when we're young and irresponsible, that wrecked his car, hit another car, killed someone inside that car, now wearing handcuffs in the emergency room, wondering if they'll ever be free again because he never had a man in his life to show him what responsibility should look like. Amen? You're going to see a woman with a broken nose. And I'm talking from experience. You're going to see a woman with a broken nose, broken ribs, black eye, that when asked will tell you this, I deserved it. I got what I had coming to me. I, I provoked him because he never hits me unless I do something that makes him mad. Because nobody ever told her how she should be loved. Because no man has ever loved her well. Our inability to lead our families causes, in a legitimate and true way, this kind of destructive behavior generationally, and it's getting worse. Because we have determined to push men into the shadowy recesses of the rooms they live in and tell them, we don't want to hear your voice. The only thing we want from you is your silence and your money. And God and men has created you for more than that. Much, much more than that. And so it's time that we come to know our place. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I'm going to use a single verse to do it. That single verse is Micah chapter 8, out of, or chapter 6, verse 8. But before I read that verse, I want to read 6 and 7 to you. It says, With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come to Him? So he's saying, how should I present myself to the Lord? Shall I come to Him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? <clears throat> Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams? In 10,000 rivers of oil shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious act, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. So he's saying, what can I do to show myself worthy unto God? 
What sacrifice do I have to make? Should I give calves? Should I give thousands of rams? Should I give precious oil? Or should I even give of my firstborn child to cover my sin? And in verse 8, the Bible says this, He has told you, O man, what is good. And it's, parentheses, this is me adding, and it's none of those things. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. Men, you have three primary responsibilities. It says, man, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly before your God. Man, I want you to repeat after me. Do justice. Y'all better act like you mean it. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. This is what God calls us to do, and I'm going to explain what this means. First off, we have to be just. A man who knows his place is a man of godly character. These three elements of godly character is what God expects of us. We are to be just because God is just. That means he's absolutely fair. He doles out punishment and reward exactly the same. He has no bias in him, and he stands convictionally according to what is right and wrong. And so should we. You want to know why the world's upside down right now? Because men have forgotten how to stand up convictionally for what's right and wrong. I told you at the beginning of this series, I got provoked in this series to do this series because I was told of an abortion clinic and there, there should be a sign in front of every abortion clinic that reads, open by permission of the local church. And that statement just, it destroyed me. But you know what? That's the same reason all sin exists. Because the church hasn't stood convictionally on anything. Because men have forgotten what it means to be just. Because men aren't convictional in standing on the truth. We live in a world where people say there's 2,700 and counting genders. There are two. But because we haven't stood convictionally on the truth, we've allowed ourselves to waver, and in our silence, the world is destroyed. We have to be just. There should be punishment for the unjust. And in fact, the Word of God says that there is punishment for the unjust. That all of us, because all of us have sinned, all of us have shown, uh, fallen short of the glory of God, that we are condemned to what? To judgment. Except that Christ Jesus moved on our behalf. Men, it's time to be convictional to stand on your conviction, to be who you know you're supposed to be. And how do I know what I'm supposed to be? You know who you're supposed to be by reading the Word of God. And wise counsel and surrounding yourself with men that are acting like they're supposed to be. I got asked one time, how did, or I asked a guy one time, how did you get as, where you are as fast as you got there? He was in ministry and I, I knew God would call me to ministry and I didn't want to Waste any time. So I asked him, how did you get where you are? And this is what he told me. He said, God surrounded me with godly men who held a golden crown over my head and taught me how to grow into it. 
We're not surrounding ourselves with the truth, and we're not surrounding ourselves with men that require the truth of us. We have to be just and stand righteously and convictionally for what we know is right and ensure that the people around us are doing the same thing. Amen? So we must be just, but we also must be merciful because we are to be like Christ. What does this have to do with us? God is righteous, but God is also merciful. Righteousness just says there has to be punishment for sin. Mercy says I'm going to pay or I'm going to I'm going to sit under that punishment by sending my own son to die on the cross so you won't have to. That's what mercy does. Mercy stands in the way of the justice that we deserve. And men, it's time we start doing the same thing for our families, for the people that we love. It's time that God expect justice from us. And that means to fight injustice wherever we see it. Can we love people enough to extend a hand to them even when they don't deserve it? Especially when they don't deserve it. People say, well, I'm not going to do that because he's not deserving. Well, he doesn't deserve my attention. He doesn't deserve my money. He doesn't deserve my relationship. He doesn't deserve my time. Well, let me tell you, what you deserve is not the measurement you want to use in doling out someone else's worthiness because it's not the measurement God used to determine yours. So we have to be just and we have to be merciful because Christ is merciful because God is merciful. And he tells us those who show mercy will receive mercy. And then finally, a man's place is to walk humbly before his God. I'm going to mess you all up, guys. I'm talking to you. You ain't as big a deal as you think you are. We overinflate ourselves. There was a time when I was young and strong and fast. All those things are going to go away. You have, a, you have to have an appropriate understanding of who you are. You have to walk in humility, recognizing that your opinion doesn't matter. What does matter is the Word of God. I know I said it a couple of times, but let me tell you, it boils down to you want to be a man that knows his place, you have to be a man that knows the Word. Because in the Word you will find instruction for what it is to be a godly man, to turn the tide of the community and the society that we live in back to a, not, not a godless society, but back to a godly society. Arrow, many of you guys know I call my grandson Arrow. And I get asked all the time, why you call him that? His name's Landon. Let me tell you why. It's my job as his grandfather. I understand, first let me say, I understand there's going to be a time in his future where I'm no longer going to exist. It's a sad reality, but it's true. 
And so while I do exist, I want to make sure that my arrow is pulled back and there's tension in his bow. Because I realize as much tension as I can pull safely and add that tension to his life, when I'm no longer here to hold that tension and that arrow is released, it will hit what it's been aimed at. And in order for him to hit what he's aimed at, in order for me to draw that tension, I have to understand that the tension I'm creating in his life, those boundaries are set by the word of God. David, recognizing that his time had come to an end, King David was talking to his son Solomon. And he has the conversation that, as of right now, I hope to have with my grandson in the last moments of my life. And this is what he tells him. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, David says this to his own son. He says, As David's time to, dry, to die drew near, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I am going the way of all of the earth. And so he's saying, I'm, I'm about to die. Then he gives him this instruction. Instruction, instruction. I hope to one day be able to give my own grandson that I won't be able to give him if I don't live this out for myself. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. That's, that's a good word for a young man. And then in verse 4, he says, So that the Lord may carry out his promises, which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons and your grandsons, I added grandsons to stick with the metaphor, are careful of their way to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. There's nobody in my house sitting on a throne. But I'm living my life. I keep consciously aware of knowing my place so that there's always a godly man sitting at the head of our table. And I encourage you to do the same. Pastor Jim just finished talking to you about the fact that cultural masculinity is toxic, but biblical masculinity is not. The same is true for cultural femininity and biblical femininity. The cultural femininity that's being screamed into the ears of, of our young women today is a lie, and it is toxic. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. From the very beginning, God established two genders, male and female. That's it. Cultural femininity will tell you there are more. Cultural masculinity will tell you there are more, that you can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. 
You can be male and female, created in God's image. And that's where God established equality, too. Because he says, create them in his image. We are equal because we are both created in his image. The basis of cultural femininity is equality. But cultural femininity in their tactic is where the lie rests. Because instead of building up women, instead of celebrating the, the beauty of being a woman, they tear men down. Their whole point is to tear men down. They're not celebrating women. Because if they did, they'd be mad that there are men who are trying to be women. You're not for something. You're against something. They're against the man that Pastor Jim just described to you as a godly man. That's their target. Because if they can tear down those godly men and fathers from our homes, then that cultural femininity that says, I am woman, hear me roar, gets to continue to hear them roaring that trash that they roar. That's pretty judgmental, wasn't it? <laughs> cultural femininity has told you that in order to be equal, women can and should do everything that a man can do. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to do what a man can do. My husband and I just recently sold our home and moved into an apartment because Pastor Jim doesn't have time to do the man stuff at our house, and I don't want to. Todd Santana has been over to help with his wife, Dawn. He will tell you, don't give me a power drill or a screwdriver. I'm not built for that, and I don't want to be. Cultural femininity puts women not only in competition with men, but with each other. And this is where, unfortunately, the church has fallen asleep and snores the loudest. Because even inside this room, we compete with one another. We criticize and we judge one another. One of the greatest convictions God ever placed in my life outside of my sin, and once I became a Christian, was the fact that I said, I don't like women. God told me very quickly, I don't care. You're supposed to love them. But all we do is tear one another down. We're in competition for the way we dress, for the way we talk, for how much money we make, what kind of car we drive, what our kids eat, what our kids don't eat, because I don't let my kids have that. You shouldn't let your kids have that. I drive this kind of car. You should drive this kind of car. We have brought the world in to this holy place. And it's time for us as women to display biblical femininity to those around us. Do you know that the cultural femininity is ripping our marriages apart? Not just through homosexuality, but through adultery. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a very strong opinion. Women today are the men of the 80s. You can't even say hello to them without thinking you want to sleep with them as a man. Whether you want to believe it or not, single women are competing with you as a wife for your husband. There is a trend on TikTok where women are bragging about how easy it is to take your husband away from you. And I say this must be the future that the Proverbs 31 woman laughed at. Because I say to that, bring it. 
My marriage was ordained by God, and it's a covenant, and you won't break it. But should you try, he doesn't come with a receipt. Don't bring him back. There is no return. <laughs> and he has separation anxiety, so it means i got to go too, and I don't want to. Biblical femininity doesn't compete with God, man, or any other woman. Biblical femininity complements creation. And that complement, I mean, is C-O-M-P-L-E-M-E-N-T, not C-O-M-P-L-I-M-E-N-T. Because complement with an E means something that completes something else in some way. If you read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, it's the whole story of creation. And when read together, you understand that man was created sometime before woman was created. And in chapter 1, as you read through, there are six places where it says that God created something and he looked at all he had created and it was good. And then in verse 26... God creates woman, or man and woman in his image. And as you get to verse 31, after God has completed creation, it says God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. We don't celebrate the beauty of being female in understanding that God didn't create anything else after he created us. We complement creation in that he was finished at that moment. Two beings created identical in his image with a different function in their purpose. We are the gas that makes the car motor go. Biblical femininity celebrates the equality and the difference in being created male and female. As women, biblical women, godly women, we character we, we carry character characteristics and attributes of God that men don't. You are nurturing, you are you are calming, you are you're fierce but in a in a in a quiet way. Pastor Jim mentioned our grandson since he's been born in the last 19 months, we spent a lot of time with him. And from the beginning, he has been attached to his mima. Because he couldn't do anything for himself. I could do things for him. I hold him. I love on him. I cuddle him. And as he is becoming more independent, we watch. Nobody taught him how to be a boy. In that creation, God puts it in us innately to be male and female. But as he's gotten older and he wants to play and he wants to get rambunctious and wild, he's Papa's boy at that time. I don't exist. I'm not in the room anymore. But when that gets too rough and he needs something to eat or he needs care or tenderness, he comes back to be a Mima's boy. Because I display a portion of the image of God that Jim doesn't. And that's how we were created. If you've ever sat through 
a first grade math lesson, you know that there are different functions, addition and subtraction. Two plus two equals four, but so does eight minus four. It's different functions, same result. We are created in God's image, male and female, with different functions, but the same result, the same purpose, purpose which is to glorify God in everything that we do. Biblical femininity celebrates our place. And a woman who knows her place is a woman of godly character. If you turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called them, a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at this place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. A woman who knows her place is a woman of godly character and that godly character is built on the preface of our purpose in creation to be a suitable helper. And I, and I, I put inflection on the word suitable helper because we have the opportunity as women to help men fulfill their purpose or the opportunity to destroy their purpose when we're not a suitable helper. If you read in chapter 3 of Genesis, the first thing, one of the first stories you read there is, is Eve and the apple and the deception from the serpent. And you've, you've probably heard people talk about this scripture so many times before and Eve added to the word of God or Eve took away from the word of God or Eve this, Eve that. Plain and simple, and I'm talking to you ladies because we have repeated this mistake. Eve moved from a place of being submissive to what she knew God's word was to being dismissive to God's word. And because we as biblical godly women have chosen to dismiss the word of God over our life and our purpose in being suitable helpers, everything around us is crashing because of our desire to fit in with them. A woman of godly character can be defined in numerous aspects in Proverbs chapter 31. And it's a very long chapter for time's sake. I'm not going to read the whole thing. And, and I'm not just talking to wives. Because most of us think that Proverbs 31 is strictly about being a wife. Um, can, I, can I give you some freedom there? She didn't actually exist. She was a woman described to her son by a mother. The very first verse in Proverbs 31 says, The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. In verse 2 through 9, King Lemuel's mother describes to him the character that she expects him to display. And then verse 10 through 31 is King Lemuel's mother 
explaining to her son what a godly woman looks like, what a woman of godly character is. And that's who you seek to be your wife. None of us got married and immediately became a godly wife if we weren't first a godly woman. Instead of reading through all of those, I, I encourage you to go read Proverbs 31 and study that out for yourself. But I am going to pick out a few attributes that make a woman a woman of godly character. She is trustworthy. Verse 11 through 12 says this. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verse 14 through 16. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. A woman of godly character is trustworthy. The people around us trust us to do them good and not evil, to be a helper to them, to proclaim the, the word of God to them instead of the word of the world to them, to help them. They trust us to be biblical wives, to help them. Can I tell you that the statistics show that men are choosing not to date, Single men are choosing not to date. And in doing so, they're, they're choosing not to marry. Because cultural feminism being allowed inside the church and in our society has proven to men that women aren't necessarily very trustworthy. The statistics also show that it's women, women who are leaving marriages today more rapidly than men. Men aren't getting purity anymore when they start dating a woman. And because women are leaving at the rate that they're leaving, men can't trust us to hold the covenant that we made with them. And he loses half of his possessions, probably his children, and then he pays you to take care of his kids the rest of the time. We haven't been trustworthy in marriage. She serves with diligence her home and her community and those in need. Verse 20 of chapter 31 says, She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. These scriptures also reference um, in, in 14 and 15 again that her candle doesn't go out, that she rises while it is still night. A suitable helper is just that. She's a helper. And we help by serving. We serve our home. We serve our community. You may have a job where you actually draw a paycheck, but you're called as a servant of Christ to serve there. You have a servant's mentality. You submit yourself to your authority, and you don't rebuke everything that they say. Jesus said it himself. I don't come to be served, but to serve. Our godly character, we reflect the image of Christ, the image of God that we were created in as we serve. 
Pastor Jim talked about men being humble. This is where a woman becomes humble. It takes a lot. I hear it a lot, and I appreciate your love and care for me. I won't say that I appreciate the criticism, because who does? Um, but I hear a lot. You do too much here. You're always involved in everything that goes on here at the church. Yep. And I always will be. Because the day that Pastor Jim was called to full-time ministry, I received a call too. It's from the very beginning of my creation as a female to be a suitable helper. He told you several weeks ago that I made a promise to him that I wouldn't let him fail. And he's right. Because I've been called to be a helper. So I will spend every ounce of energy I have serving at every opportunity I have to serve. Because I look at faces across this room, across the first service, across the next service, and their lives have changed. They're on a path to do what is righteous and seek after God that they wouldn't have been had I not been willing to clean a toilet. So don't, don't feel sorry for me because I come clean a toilet. I love it, and I'll do it every day if it means someone gets right with Jesus Christ. And that's the attitude that we as women have in our home, in our workplace. Everything we do to serve others should be intent on glorifying God so that they may see him through you because you are his image bearer. Verse 30 says, she fears the Lord. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Again, this goes back to that submission. Our ability to, to submit to the word of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ over our life. There's no greater strength in a woman. There's scripture in, verse 30, in chapter 31 that talk about she, she clothes herself with strength and dignity. The greatest show of strength a woman can ever have is in her submission to Jesus Christ as Lord of her life. In her submission to the order in which God created in her home as her husband being the head of her home. Because God's going to talk to the priest of your home. God's going to direct your family through the priest of your home. And if you don't let him be the priest of your home, the volume on your reception may be turned too low because we tend to drown it out as we try to take control of our home and lead it. As Pastor Jim said, we were created individually, men and women, to be one whole. But when we operate in our biblical femininity and biblical masculinity, as complementary to one another instead of in competition to one another, we function as the body God intended us to be in order to confront the culture around us. I'm going to read you something real fast. So you guys are familiar with the creation story, right? Probably. So God created man, saw that he was good, but that he shouldn't be alone, and so he created woman, right? Right? Wrong. It's not true. That's the truth that we tell each other, but this is what it says. In chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. But he didn't make a woman first. 
He said, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. So listen to this. God's not bound by time. God's in all places at all times. So he knew that a woman would be necessary to complete a man. But he says, I'm going to make a helper for you. And then makes all this other stuff first and then parades all of those other things in front of Adam. Why do you think he did that? This is, this is simply my theory as to why he did that. Because he needed Adam to see that there wasn't another suitable thing on the entire earth that could complete him the way a woman would complete him. And so, having recognized that himself, Adam that is, God created woman as his helpmate. Why do I say that? I say that because both men and women in this room are freaking out right now. Because I've told men, you got to start leading your home. And my wife, to sum up, says, you need to learn to be submissive and love according to the word of God. And that is counterculture for sure. I say, that to, I say all this verse stuff to say this. Men, you have to lead your home. But women can't follow you if you lead wrongly. And they shouldn't be expected to. Which means you need to honor them, love them, respect them, be the reflection of Christ to them, be willing to lay down and sacrifice your own life for them. Then and only then, according to Ephesians 5, should she honor and submit to you. And that's because only then can you be trusted with her honor and submission. And so it this isn't a do right. This is a, this is what doing right looks like. And the question you have to ask yourself is, am I going to do the word according to what it says? And our hope and our prayer is that you will. Amen.